The Willow in the Wind is the Caribbean Cricket Podcast with me, David Oram. I'll be looking at the recent major cricket news stories in the company of my good friend, Reds Pereira. Reds, I'm delighted that you're back with us. Um, you've just been at uh, Tony Cozier's funeral in Barbados. Yes, it was <clears throat> quite an occasion. A very well put together farewell by his family. It was a happy occasion. Some people asked to wear light colour clothing and the whole event was one of celebration, you know, really a very happy affair attended by many, many people, large crowd, and of course bear in mind that his coffin was exposed at the BCA in Bridgetown, so thousands went past. This was a, a three o'clock funeral on Friday afternoon, and it was in fact um, very close uh, to the, the airport, the Coral Ridge Memorial Garden, suitable, lovely area. And the eulogy was given by his son, Craig Kosher, an, an outstanding performance by this young man. Mm. No, it's, it must have been a very melancholy occasion. And uh, ironically, uh, a gathering of many, many old friends as well, uh, Reds. Yes, a large audience. Um, <clears throat> Seated uh, just behind Sagarfi Sobers and uh, uh, just next to uh, Serverton Weeks um, with Sagarfi Sobers was West, former West Indies captain Clive Lloyd and coach uh, Phil Simmons. Mm. Um, the ceremony uh, was in fact well put together by the Reverend Wesley Hall, who wasn't off of long run, but it was a, a, a good. Um, run indeed, and he gathered momentum as this fellow went on. Uh, Peter Lashley, David Allen, Robin Bino, uh, Jeffrey Greenwich, uh, Derek Murray, full BCA membership, uh, former Barbados players, the Barbados media, and uh, from the West Indies board media, I saw Woody Richards and Phil Spooner, and uh, from Jamaica from Sportsmax, there was Alexis Jordan and uh, Lance Whitaker, and I would think that the also there was uh, Stephen Lashley, the Minister of Sport, and the opposition leader, Mia Motley. But I might have missed a number of personalities because um, when I filed out, the majority of people had had uh, already moved moved on, so to speak, and my job was then to head to the airport and catch my returning flight yeah. uh, to St. Lucia, where it has been nothing more than rain, rain, <laughs> rain. And in the words of maybe the late great John Arlott, it's so grey cold, not even the pigeons have appeared, <laughs> and I'm tempted not to say good morning. <laughs> I've not heard your it's been, a, I've it's not been <laughs> very, very bad weather in St. Lucia. So many things have been cancelled. 
cancel the football finals fundraiser for tennis. Lupus Arthritis Association canceled. And, you know, we saw a little bit of the sun, but um, it's still very much overcast. Mm-hmm. Literally dark days in, in, in the region. Um, but we will look ahead as well. Um, plenty to look ahead to. Uh, there was no less than uh, three teams or squads announced uh, in the last seven days or so. Uh, we'll start with the ODI squad that uh, that came out for the first four matches of the Tri-Series against South Africa and uh, Australia. Uh, no Sammy, no Gal, no Bravo. Um, what were your immediate reactions to that squad, Reds? Well, I just want to add something from um, Coach's Farewell. The Robert Wesley Hall said he had a dream, and in that dream he was driving down Dallas Road. Uh, when he looked to his left, he saw the Tony Kozier Oval. Mm. We wait to see further releases. Um, very surprised uh, by the A-team. Very surprised by the ODI team for the Tri-Nation, not forward-looking, and mixed signals. And my quick, uh, my quick comment to you, David, is that um, Clive Lloyd seemed to have been pushed back in terms of his youth policy mm. because there was a lot of young players that could have been exposed in both the A team, which replaced South Africa in Trinidad, and the ODIs in the Tri-Nation series starting in Guyana on June the 3rd. Yeah, no, absolutely. I heard your report on uh, VOB Radio in Barbados. Uh, for example, in that in that A squad, as you say, not much really to be learned anymore about Jason Mohammed or Rayad Emrit. Opportunities missed. I would think that it's a case where maybe Coach Phil Simmons got his, got his day, so to speak, mm. got what he wanted. Normally, the captains get gets what he wanted and, and he no doubt had support from other quarters uh, but when you think uh, a question of, of, of Chase the, the Barbados or Rondo who's really had a very good season Miguel Cummins uh, who was the outstanding bowler in uh, the uh, Pro League series Hope um, uh, young Moti left arm spinner um, you know the question is why Craig Braffitt is not opening the, the innings um, in Guyana he showed in Australia that he is capable of playing a great deal of shots. And uh, one would think that if we were going to use himself and Chandrika in terms of the Indian series, they should have been exposed to the attacks of Australia and, uh, and, and South Africa in order to give them practice and in order to judge their form. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there has been quite a lot of uh, negative reaction. Uh, Andrew Seeley uh, noted... Uh, Commentation analyst described uh, the selection uh, on the line and length show of uh, of uh, Shannon Gabriel as unbelievable. I, I was saving that for the last. It's almost <laughs> unbelievable that you can include Shannon Gabriel in an ODI squad. One of the qualifications of an ODI player that he must be reasonable in the field, which Gabriel is not. That he can be useful with the bat. And I don't believe that, you know, Shannon Gable, although he's improved on the Ambrose with his line and length, I don't believe that uh, is someone you expect to find in an ODI squad. Hence, um, I, I, I thought it, it was the call of Phil Simmons. He, he wanted him and he got him. Yeah. 
I, I, I do want to share with you uh, one email we got from uh, uh, one of our dedicated listeners, almost apoplectic with rage. And, and I'm going to read his whole email, effectively. He said, uh, This team is a disgrace and should be Clive Lloyd's last effort. Gabriel has not played a cricket match in six months and he is playing ahead of Miguel Cummins, who's had a very good season. He had encouraging, we've had encouraging performances in the PCL, and yet we stick with Samuels, Charles, Ramdin and Bollard, who have a poor ODI record. I understand Clive is saying the coach and the captain are not on the same page with his youth direction. If that's true, that's a cop-out. Craig Brathwaite played a high-class innings in Australia of 94, attacking the ball out of a score of 157. Plus, he was one of two top batsmen along with Darren Bravo in the Nashico, but he cannot make an ODI squad. We are supposed to be building a team towards the 29 World Cup, and then we pick Suleiman Ben at 36, whose career has maybe a year left. Surely a young spinner must be brought along. Phil Simmons is clearly insular with his emphasis on Trinidadians, but worse, he has no strategic direction to anything he is doing. He is just hopeless. West Indies cricket is like bad food one cannot digest. (laughs) Strong stuff. I don't know your your writer from that email, but um, he he certainly made some supporting points, which I I, I made earlier. And... um, it's difficult to see us compete against Australia mm. and, and South Africa with, with that lineup. You know, you, your openers will be um, Fletcher and, and Johnson Charles. Yeah. Um, you know, it's key that they give us a very good start. It's key that Charles tries to play straight and not play across. And Fletcher probably needs to see an opportunity where he doesn't have to go bang, 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 bang. It's not 2020. He can take his time. He's capable of maybe playing at that quality knock. But uh, question marks uh, definitely to Marlon Samuels now, um, his age, um, his form, his performances, soaks up a lot of dog balls, and I can't uh, overlook his behavior in, 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 in the final. Feet on the table, not very good role model for young West Indians. No, no. Well, role models is something I might come on to uh, in a while, Reds, in this programme. Uh, but let, let's stick with the, this this ODI squad for a moment. Uh, a lot of reaction about the fact that neither Sammy Gale or Dwayne Bravo were selected. They have plenty to say about it on Twitter. Equally, uh, they were um, rather amused that Sanil Narayan and Kieran Pollard were included uh, in those squads. One wondered whether they quite understood the, the, the policy of who was and wasn't available for selection. I think they are very much aware of, of the policy. I wouldn't go into the policy, it is well known. But you know, it's a sign of the times where they made a West Indies team could be selected and players who are playing elsewhere and who are not in the squad could be responding publicly to correspondents who are looking for a sensational story mm. are using the social media. Mm. Um, you know, that's the times we, we live in, that, you know, people can get on the social media and have have their say, mm. uh, so to speak. One, one thing I do want to uh, come to, that we, we continually hear this um, West Indies are not picking their best team, uh, and they are thinking of Dwayne Bravo in particular and uh, Gale and, uh, and others. And uh, it's something I challenge. I was, I was very annoyed in the test 
tour of Australia, that that was what was continually be, being said by Australian commentators. I just and you said Reds. I've got I've got some uh, some statistics to share with you. You made the comment recently about uh, wanting me to go and look at the stats of these guys. So I had a look at Dwayne Bravo. So just a few things yes, about. I'm glad you've done that because you know we have listeners who need to have it in information so we can have balance on this program. Yeah, well we're st- starting off just on the, the the first class. So we're not we're not saying that he should. Or shouldn't be in the, the, the test side. Uh, this is not a discussion about his inclusion in the test side. But here's, we'll start off with his first some first-class statistics. His last test match was in 2010. He's not played uh, a first-class match for over three years. In the last five and a half... Uh, that's right. He's, he's only played uh, three first-class matches in the last five and a half years. And those, one was in 2012, two were in 2013. Uh, and in the last eight, and those are his only first-class games in West Indies regional first-class four-day competition in eight years. That's him in first-class. In 50-over cricket, I've done a little bit more digging. Bearing in mind what would be expected of him as a cricketer in 50-over cricket, nobody is questioning his qualities and abilities in 2020 cricket. But in 50-over cricket, he would presumably be an all-rounder, expected to bowl his 10-overs and, and make runs. As a bowler... He's only once in any 50-over match bowled his full complement of overs in the last two years. Only once, and that was in January 2015 in the game for uh, Trinidad and Tobago. His last 50 in 50-over cricket was in February 2014. So in over two years, he's not hit a 50. He did have excellent series playing for the West Indies against New Zealand uh, down under in 2013-14 and at home against England but he then had very poor performances against Bangladesh and India in 2014 it was noted before he, when he was dropped from the World Cup side that uh, he was currently in the ICC's ODI team of 2014 but that was based on the 20, his 2013 performances his performances beyond that were not good he's since also not played as we said Najiko 50 over cricket uh, he's not made. He's not made himself available for his own uh, island, Trinidad and Tobago, and prefer big bash cricket. I personally cannot see on performances, let alone uh, eligibility, on what basis Dwayne Bravo would be picked in the West Indies side. I think that that's good. That's good research work, David. Um, that will say a lot uh, to people. Maybe surprise a, 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 a great deal of people. And, um, you know, as you look, um, maybe what's happening, um, you know, with other players, maybe the, 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 same, the same stats might also re- reveal a great deal. But I suppose, you know, with so much on our plate, we need to move on. Yes, I think you're right. Um, I did uh, wonder whether there was any, blood, uh, any players within the, um, uh, the development uh, squad, the... Uh, for the training camp at the High Performance Centre that uh, caught your eye. Uh, I did see that Moti's been picked, which I was pleased with. Yes, I, I was very glad about that. I saw him uh, bowl for Guyana, um, uh, you know, uh, like Warrican, very promising, younger, um, and uh, has a, a nice um, purchase on the ball. I was surprised that he was not um, maybe in the, the A squad, but none of the people taken to Barbados in that uh, selected group, um, none of them ha- have appeared in a- a- any one of the teams, uh, so to speak. 
Um, so there, there's a, a little bit of mystery there. Um, you know, we, we, we do not know what is the policy sort of going forward. It seemed to be um, a total mixed bag and, 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 and mixed messages. Well, one of the biggest mixed messages we've had in the last uh, week or two, Reds, was the sacking of Kirtley Ambrose, uh, which appears to be, from what we can gather, the decision of Phil Simmons, who uh, told Ambrose he was doing an excellent job, uh, but that they wanted somebody more skills-based. Kirtley Ambrose gave a very interesting interview on the Mason and Guest Show within the last seven days, where he went into a bit more depth about that. Um, he also disclosed in that that he does have a level two coaching qualification. He himself wanted to be part of the recent Level 3 coaching courses that went on in Barbados and was told he couldn't because he was involved with other matters with the West Indies team. All very strange, Reds. Well, when the voice of Barbados called me about it, uh, I think it was Paul Mears or Curtis Sainz, my reaction was, you know, not how you do it, not when you do it, why you do it, um, it, it just seemed to be um, uh, so late in the day. If this was the thinking, and the man linked to telling Ambrose uh, was Phil Simmons, uh, maybe it was Phil Simmons' call. I don't think the director of cricket was involved in this as far as I know, because mm. Phil Simmons is the one who, who uh, will choose his, his staff. Mm. And... Um, it, it, it was so late in the day, one would have thought that that would have been done if Simmons was thinking that way uh, a week after uh, the World Cup was finished. Yeah. Um, now, you know, I, I am no coach, I have no former fast bowler, um, but I would think if you are thinking of technical, technical ability, uh, with all due respect to Roddy Estick, I would think that Sakotli uh, Ambrose will probably have better technical knowledge um, in terms of fast bowling in so many areas um, than um, Roddy Essek or maybe Essek himself will admit that. Um, if, if there was a case where Simmons might have felt, look, these guys are getting too comfortable with you, Sakotli, uh, I think we just need um, maybe a break, um, just bring a new face, a new voice, um, you know, a, a slightly different approach. Let's see how will they respond. Maybe I might have accepted that, you know, because sometimes players, you know, get very, very comfortable. And, um, you know, although you, keep, you have to keep saying the same thing to them all the time, patience, line, length, don't lose your cool, don't overdo the short ball. If that was, if, if that was the, the, the way how um, it was being approached, I, I might have supported maybe just uh, a temporary break. We've seen Australia change a lot of their, their fast bowling coaches. Mm. And, um, you know, there's never any, any, any rancor. It's probably fairly well done, but this to me was very badly handled. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, there does seem to be a lot of confused thinking in West Indies cricket at the moment. And it seems to me people aren't all going in the same direction. You've got the WICB with its clearly stated policy, but that doesn't necessarily um, overlap with what the, the, the selectors want to do or, or, or what the coach is looking at. The, uh, different people seem to be having different aims and objectives currently. Yes. 
No, it it just doesn't. I mean, after the high high we were on, you know, the women and the boys doing so well, you know, on the 19 level, and then the men, we 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 just seem to be heading in in in, in another another um, sort of a negative direction. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're on negatives. Uh, um... Red, the latest negative press concerning Chris Gow. I'm sure we don't want to go into too much depth uh, uh, about his interview, but I, I, I dare say uh, you, you read it and uh, a lot of the, the salacious uh, headline-grabbing uh, tidbits within it. Yes, I'll tell you off something. I will play no shot. I don't believe it, it needs uh, <laughs> any further comment. Um, we just hope that this, you know it's, it's the last of this episode and someone will, will get to him Yeah, no, I, I entirely agree. Um, his PR is, is not good. And coming on top of his previous comments, um, the stuff that's come out from Tino Best, this is not a, an image that we really want to be pushing of, uh, of, of the Caribbean. Um, moving ahead, uh, something I just want to draw people's attention to, because we may be talking about it um, next time you and I talk. It, Dr Keith Mitchell is giving a, the, there's a Frank Wall lecture this week at the University of the West Indies. What do you think we can expect from that, Reds? Well, I would hope in the tradition of the Frank War lecture series that he stays away from the present impasse between the CARICOM Cricket Committee and the West Indies Board. Mm. I don't believe that the Frank War lecture series um, was uh, made for this. I don't believe uh, that this should be part of it in honor of this former great West Indies captain who had lived, would have gone on to be maybe president of the West Indies board or, or um, a, a governor general either of Barbados or, or Jamaica. I do hope that Dr. Mitchell uh, will focus by just uh, looking back at previous, uh, previous lectures mm -hmm. at the Frank World Universe lecture series, and will use that and be advised by his close friends, uh, maybe uh, not um, to um, involve the present conflict as part of his lecture series. And that would be my take on it. No, I, I agree with you. I'm hoping very much that he steers clear of making political capital out of uh, out of this. Um, I wouldn't want to see the name and memory of. So Frank Wall demeaned in that way. But we'll wait and see. Um, we do want to look back, Reds. Um, you and I, uh, we've looked back a lot recently, particularly with the passing of uh, the great Tony Cozier. But there's a couple of people I just want to uh, flag up and your memories of. The first one from Guyana. He just turned 70 recently. Uh, the West Indies uh, batsman Len Bachin. Have I, have I pronounced his name correctly, Reds? That's correct. Len Bachin um, came from Burbese. Solid left-hander, good um, opener for Guyana. Um, had a debut hundred against Pakistan for the West Indies. Went to Australia, played in one Test match. Um, somebody might say came at the wrong time. Should have had maybe other opportunities. But he he he, he was you know at the time where you had a number of outstanding uh, outstanding openers. Mm. Um, but um, he was very solid. And, um, you know, maybe if you can just use an example, um, the equivalent 
of a jump boycott. <laughs> More of a British batsman than a, than a Caribbean one. Uh, but yeah. we, we, we salute his 70th birthday. Possibly the most delightful story of, of the week, perhaps for a while, uh, came from The Sun in the UK and uh, did the rounds in, in some papers. I know you've read it, uh, read the, uh, a focus on the former Jamaica fast bowler Cecil Wright, who's still going strong, still playing in the Pennine Cricket League and, and has played in the Central Lancashire League at the age of 82. Wonderful stuff. Well, I never saw him play, um, but I met him. Um, but you were good enough, David, to able to produce the uh, the actual game where he played mm. in. Now, um, you know, Barbados got 337, of which Dennis Atkinson, the late, got 100, and one Tony White got 53, and Cammy Smith got 113. Mm. But his figures, in due respect um, to him, right nine of us won maiden, none for 34. Um, he might suggest, David, as uh, uh, he's bowling now and not being on the ball, that he was on the ball then. <laughs> it was lovely. To, it was his one and only first-class game, July 1958, uh, against Barbados. He didn't get a wicket. He opened the bowling in both innings, but didn't get a wicket. <laughs> he scored naught and one, uh, and one not out, so he did, did get on the board. It was interesting, Reds, looking through that game, digging up the scorecard, how many of the players within the Barbados side, we're talking 58 years ago, were in your company uh, just last uh, Friday um, at Tony Cozier's funeral? Yes, sir. in fact, I, I did have quiet words with David Allen, the former West Indies keeper, who appeared along with Ivan Dunza, the late in the 62 series. Um, I, I, I did a chat with Peter Lashley mm -hmm. um, just after the ceremony. And uh, it was um, nice to be able to be able to interact with with, with those two players that you refer to. Um, and you know, um, I, although I didn't see Cammy Smith, but I'm sure he was there. But it was a large crowd. You would mm -hmm. you would have to excuse me. And um, you know, that that Barbados team was not a weak team. Cammy uh, Smith, C. A. Atkins, mm -hmm. S. D. Nurse, P. D. Lashley, W. Farmer, which is a tall hard-hitting Barbadian who's the father of Stephen Farmer, Dennis Edison, Foster the left-arm spinner, Tony White, David Allen, Wesley Hall, and Otneil Downs. Um, and the Jamaica side was, was, wasn't a bad side either. Alan Ray, V.R. Yeah. Uh, Lumsden, who of course, who played university cricket, J.K. Holt, uh, Kenny Rickards, Dennis Torben, Scarlett, Alexander, uh, Watson, F.C. Wright, um, in those days, I mean, the, the, the cricket was extremely competitive. But I think that uh, Wright was on the ball because I don't think in the second minute he got more than, I think, two of us. Uh, what was this thing? Two of us, no business, not for seven. Mm. Definitely badly, badly treated by his captain. <laughs> well, in his, in his interview with The Sun, he said, I still feel fit and my passion to play the game certainly has not dwindled with each passing year. I feel great, and I feel that I can still compete and offer something with the ball. I can still get people out. I can still teach these young batsmen a thing or two. Once a fast bowler, always a fast bowler. Sure, I've lost a lot of pace, but hey, I can still make it tough for batsmen. They have to work hard for their runs against me, even if I am old enough to be a grandfather for the lot of them. <laughs> yes, he, he ranks 
among a number of outstanding international sportsmen who are playing um, whatever sport they choose at that age. Yeah, no, I think it's it's a wonderful story, and the um, and the newspaper carried pictures of him, and he was still looking very athletic for a man uh, in his uh, ninth decade. Uh, just just a wonderful, heartwarming story. Yes, it is. It is, and it is. It's a fine example um, to other cricketers who probably stopped just too early, you know. Yeah. Um, but now I think there is a good chance of that maybe not happening. Because it didn't take Masters cricket to keep him going. <laughs> and he just kept himself going. But now there's a lot of former cricketers who are now coming back to the game and playing a little bit of um, over 40 and over 50 at Masters cricket. Yeah, no, it's, it's lovely to see uh, at whatever age uh, that's, that's still that passionate love for the game. Uh, Reds, you and I, we're going to be taking a break for a while. I know you're off to Guyana. I'm about to go and have uh, two, three weeks of holiday with my wife. Uh, she's given me a, a blanket ban on uh, doing anything cricketing while we're back together in the UK. So it'll be late June before we uh, we really get together again. Um, but uh, I know you'll want to thank our listeners um, uh, for listening and, and being with us. Yes, I go off on the 27th of May to Guyana to do a consultancy with the Football Federation and then... I'll be there for the um, Tri-Nation series start on June the 3rd. I hope to see some good cricket. And if invited, I <laughs> would be glad to join our comrades in the, the commentary box. But that's, uh, that's um, not a, uh, a matter for this program. But uh, really and truly, we want to thank all our, our friends in the Caribbean, all the stations that take the podcast, and all the people in Canada and all the people... In the USA, a lot of them has been reacting to the passing of Tony Koch. I mean, people have been asking, um, can they have the mailing address of a Jillian Koja, which I've been very happy uh, to give. Mm. No, indeed. And, and he'll be in our thoughts uh, and his family for, for a long time to come. And I need to remember that Peter Baxter... Um, came all the way from England. Of course, he was the producer of Test Match Special for years, which Tony Kosher worked with both in England and in the Caribbean, and himself and Henry Bluefelt are now on a talk show circuit all over England. And as I left the church, I did also run in uh, to Andrew Mason, who was there to say goodbye to Tony Kosher. No, that's that's wonderful, Reds. Um, it must be impossible to remember everybody that was there, but we do want to mention all those that uh, did attend. I'm I'm, I'm glad you've um, brought up uh, reminders because I've completely forgotten, and I do want to mention um, that uh, I've been on a, a, another podcast, which I want listeners to yeah. try and find. I've been on the Australian Cricket Podcast with Menners, and that's going to be on uh, iTunes very shortly. And uh, I'll send you the link to that, Reds. Um, This has been The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast, and I hope you can join us again next time. Bye-bye.